Welcome to the CF Stories Podcast, where we take some time each week to get to know different members of Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. Our community is filled with people from different walks of life, from doctors to teachers to business owners, who all have unique experiences to share. This is who we are, and these are our stories. Welcome, everyone, once again to CF Stories. Today's episode is part three of a three-part series on generations. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth, we want to be a multi-generational church, something for everyone, everyone represented. There will be a whole group of people, a whole community of families, intergenerational partnerships with ministry, everything that will be applicable to all generations, all age groups. And what we want to do through this series is to just have a conversation with representatives from each generation and hear their witness, their testimony, and share their memories of certain things, of what was then, what's now. It's very fun. And today's episode is Gen Z. Gen Z birth years, 1997 to circa 2015. It depends on how you count it, but that's the general idea. We have two people who represent that generation. This is who they are. These are their stories. Welcome, everyone, once again to an episode of CF Stories. This is part three. Part three in our Generation series here at Christ Fellowship. We want to be a multi-generational church. Now, I'm part of the millennial generation, born 1986, 35 years old at the time of this recording. And definitely there's distinctions between generations. So we, what we've done so far is we've had an interview with a panel of Gen Xers. We had an interview with the millennials. And now here we are in part three, Gen Z. Yes, Gen Z, Generation Z. These are birth years, according to Pew Research, between 1997 and circa 2015. Now, the reason I say circa is because there's still some debate amongst scholars, amongst people who research this, about when does Gen Z end? Has it ended? And if it has, there's given a new generation that's coming up, which so far the working title appears to be Generation Alpha. We'll see if that name sticks. Generations have funky names sometimes. You never know what's going to happen. So I'm here with two bona fide Gen Zers. It kind of sounds a little funny to say it like that, but whatever, we'll go with it. So I'm going to ask these two representatives of Gen Z to introduce themselves, their names, their birth year and age, and how they are connected to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. So we have. A lady, we have a gentleman. Ladies first, can you please introduce yourself? Tell us your name, your birth year and age, just simple math, and your connection to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. Take it away. All right. Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Marissa. I am born in the year 2000, so I am 21 years old right now. Um, and my connection to Christ Fellowship is I've been coming since 2012. Um, I've participated in the Bridge Youth Ministries, um, the Kids Church Ministry, um, working into the worship ministry now, um, and just generally just been around for a while and help out in different, you know, departments. There you go. And you, sir, tell us your name, your age, birth year, and how you are connected to Christ Fellowship. Very direct, 
connection. Go ahead, sir. Um, so my name is Caleb Boyd. I am 17 years of age. I was born in 2003, so I'm, as in fact, a Gen Z member. Um, I have been in the church for as long as I can remember. Um, my father is Pastor Harold. For those who may not know, that is the man who leads worship at the church. Um, and I've been kind of everywhere when it comes to ministry, uh, kids' church, bridge youth ministries, um, just helping around wherever my parents needed me or wherever the church kind of needed me at the time. So, you know, just trying to do my thing and have a servant's heart with everything that I do around here. So, you know, it's only one way to go, but up. Now we have two of you here. You're going to share all your experiences. You're going to share all your your observations about Gen Z and, you know, older generations, too. I definitely think that hearing this, uh, some people are going to think, wow, 2000 and 2003. What? Now, some people might think, wait, you're that old already? And other people might think, what, what was I doing in 2003 and mm. 2000? I was in high school. Uh, I'll tell you that straight up. Uh, I was I was a high school student in, in both those years, but we're gonna get into all of the Gen Z experience, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you guys to see what your experience has been and what your perception is about things too. So let's define some uh, some of the generation. Now, first, let me just ask you this because I, I asked this in previous episodes. When is the first time you heard the term Gen Z? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for me, I think it was like circa 2018, and that was when I was graduating high school. Um, that's when I really like remember hearing about that. Um, until then, I always did wonder, like, okay, what's like what's our generation called? And being that I am 2000, I, I, I in my head for a long time, I was like, oh, am I millennial? Like, do I bleed into my millennial? Like, what is the defining year for me? And then more so that year, that's when I started like actively hearing about like, oh, Gen Z. So was it, how was it said though? Was it said in like a way that, hey, you're Gen Z mm-hmm. or was it something you, like for example, um, was it something, like for me, for example, the first time I heard the term millennial, it was more of a, like a news report or something mm. like that. And it said, you know, um, millennials, blah, 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 birth years, this and that. And I was mm. like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, me, 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 mm-hmm. me. So was it like that or was it um, like, you know, uh, uh, like it was a distinction that was like, hey, you are a Gen Zer, or did you hear it? Oh. And then you were like, oh, hey, I'm so, just, that's my spot. Mm, so I would say it started generational speaking, like in like that 2016 era when BuzzFeed was like super peak and like, oh, are you a millennial? And all those quizzes about like, what's your generation? That's when I started like the talk about it. But in 2018 is when we started seeing like, oh, um the the memes about our generation oh the new generation gen z like you guys make fun of yourselves you guys do this and the third and it was more like articles quizzes but like the dying um you know craze of like i think it was like a millennial like peak i would say that's when i started hearing about gen z it was like differentiating us from millennials because millennials had beef apparently at that time with us caleb um, for me, honestly, I think it was through my brothers. Uh, so my brothers are both millennials. Um, and I love them, obviously, but, you know, it's brotherly love where we always kind of get at each other and, you know, have our moments. And I think the first time I kind of heard about it was through them because I think Isaiah was reading an article um, and he read something about us being called Gen Z. And I remember him coming to me about it. He's like, oh, you know, you're Gen Z, right? And I'm like, 
I didn't even know that was a thing until now. Thank you for telling me. But the reason he told me was because he was going to clown me about it for being Gen Z and how millennials were better and everything. And, you know, it was just competition between us. But, um, yeah, I think that's probably the first time I remember hearing about me being actually Gen Z and, like, it being official. It's funny because uh, when we uh, spoke to the uh, Gen X panel, um, one of the the panelists said that when they first heard the term Gen X, it was almost in a derogatory way, which is kind of similar how you mm-hmm. you, you just said yeah. it. Yep. Where it was like like Gen X, eh, the X, Gen X, and it was yeah. kind of this uh, almost uh, um, like a like a uh, like a slander right. against yeah. the person. Yeah. I get I that all the time. Oh, you get that all the time. All the time. All Whenever the time. I I I think people don't realize honestly that I am uh gen z sometimes and they say it like oh gen z and i'm like that's me bro you're talking about me and they'll, then they'll kind of like but you're different like or like they'll try to like soften the blow but i'm like i i acknowledge um as we were discussing like how like there's a part of me who's definitely gen z um but because of my personal experience and upbringing i leak a little bit in other like um generations like i can speak to a majority of gen xers boomers whatever because of my personal upbringing not because of like a generational thing i i I would say i I hear that because every generation has a stereotype version you know gen x they were the slackers millennials you know were the 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 entitled you guys are whatever you are. We'll talk about I, that I, later. Yeah, we'll I, get into that one. I joke. I think we we are called like the meh generation. The meh, yeah. like meh. lukewarm in in like biblical terms. I would say like meh. that's what people would yeah. say. <laughs> so I, I did find some interesting uh, titles or interesting distinctions for Gen Z that are. I don't know if these are you know fully gonna catch on, but one was Zoomers, which is obviously a play on Boomers. So it's Zoomers because they're Gen Z. I mean, I don't think I had never heard about that. Could it be reference to that we're using Zoom? I, 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 I mean, is that, I think, I think that's what it is. I feel like I think more that a... we're growing up and doing these Zoom meetings and that that whole pandemic culture that makes sense in my. I think that's it fits. What it would I be. mean, it could be like you said, a play with boomers and stuff like that. But I definitely, you know, kind of associated with the Zoom. No, I think that's I what it is. It's kind of like Zoom and boomers. Like it's yeah. it's a it's a combination. I yeah. think or. I, I feel like I can go either way on that one. Yeah, it's 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 one of those like okay, you know. Now yeah. here's one, and I ha- I have um, experience with this term in a few different areas from for myself personally as a teacher, as a classroom teacher is the term digital native. Yes. Now you heard of this term? Yeah. Yes. Where yeah. did you hear this term? Um, just in school, like talking about like when you're talking about the history of like technology and growing up, um, it was. Talking about how, like you, like you said, like millennials were technically the first ones who were like digital natives, and now we have been exposed to technology all our lives. So, well, it, it, it's funny because that term technology, mm-hmm. um, I, I laugh being you know the history teacher because obviously the term technology wasn't made in like the year two thousand. The term technology is a term that's been forever and always. Yeah. Um, you know, tools for human use, basic definition. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, digital technology or the you know information age, computer age, etc. Obviously, that makes a difference. But um, the term digital native is that idea of of you being born in the you know information age, digital age. Mm-hmm. Um, which would, which really, like, if you use the, um, if you use the birth years, does make sense. You know that 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 is sensible. Um, but it's interesting because that would also mean that you never knew anything beforehand. Do you find that to be accurate, or is that like one of those? Um, 
you know, eh, it depends who you are, or where you're at in life. I feel like it depends on the person, honestly, because like growing up for me, at least like, of course, the Internet was around for me and I had it at my disposal. But when I was younger, I never used it, to be honest. Like I was always outside of the house doing stuff or, you know, just reading a book or something like I really didn't rely too much on the Internet when I was coming up, I guess. Um, I mean, now I use it all the time. I'm not going to lie. Like, that's all I'm pretty much I, I, on. Most people do, yeah, regardless yeah, of generation. So, but, like, you know, like, at a young age, I wasn't really into, you know, the internet. And even though I had it at my disposal, I never really just kind of used it. So if you think about it, if you put it in a historical timeline, and we just happen to have a, uh, uh, an expert here. Um, so our, our producer, William Hart. Hello, Billy. Hello. So uh, just to put in perspective, so um, the year 2000... In year 2003. Mm-hmm. So iPhone, not a thing yet. But if we put it into perspective, the iPhone was 2007, correct? Yeah, June, June, June 29th, 2007. So if you think about that. So when you were born, Marissa, iPhone's still seven years away. When you were born, iPhone's still four years away. So if, in terms of the idea, I mean, obviously, like the touchscreen mm-hmm. apparatus. You know, it's it's it wasn't when they were born, but at the same time, you're seven and you were four. Mm-hmm. That sounds I'm digital native. What do you think, Billy? Oh, completely. I mean, we were talking in, in the pre-show. Google predates both, both of, of us. You. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Was that 98, 97? 97 was was Google. Well, it's as old as a Gen Z then. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, uh, which, which which makes uh makes sense why you guys are called the the digital natives. Um, whereas like you know, millennials, Gen X can remember a time before. Like when you know when you had to when you wanted to go to the movies, you'd have to call the movie theater to find out when the show times was or read the newspaper. Where now it's just just pull out your phone and type it into Google, and there's your stuff. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because uh, technology, in terms of memory, you know that makes people remember about certain generations. Obviously, I mean gaming systems. That's a big one. Like, what right. was your first gaming system? What was your first cell phone? What was your first you know what uh, have you? I mean, no one's taking it all the way back to the phonograph here, but I'm just saying <laughs> is that. <laughs> <laughs> There's obviously particular technologies right. yeah. that are like distinct when they came out. So if you were a teenager or a young adult during the time when, you know, the Sony Walkman debuted, obviously yeah. that was a big one. You know, right. that was a big thing. Really? And there you go. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's funny because I had one as like a little kid, um, you know, as, as, a, as a young grammar school kid. And then later it was, you know, Discman and mm-hmm. X, Y and Z. But like the thing is, what's funny is that there there is. The digital native part, like I get that, but it's funny though. As a teacher, I've been hearing that term described for the past like ten years, and then I also heard it applied to myself. Mm-hmm. And then there was something last or two school years ago where I was like, oh, "Okay, all right, whoever wrote this clearly is uh, not aware," and it was referring to my middle school students as millennials, Ooh. and they're like twelve. And I was like, "Uh, nope. I was like, yeah, you might have to you might have to make some 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 borders." Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With that, well, let, let's talk about something that is a method of communication to generation of memes. All right. So let's just let's just keep it keep it simple. Keep it simple. I know you're chuckling, y'all. All right. What is a meme? Let's just start with that. For anyone who doesn't know who's listening. All right. No, no. You you're gonna say, oh. don't don't point at me. Okay, you're gonna say okay. <laughs> this, this is your interview. Mm-hmm. You're gonna say it. Just tell everyone who might not know. I don't know where they've been, but mo- they might. They might have seen it, but not knew the what proper it, name. Huh? What is a meme, and why is it a thing? Uh, okay, for me, I would define a meme as it can be different forms of media, photo, picture, whatever. Um, but just something 
um, that makes you laugh. It's a, it's kind of like those when you see on Facebook, like those puns or whatever those jokes that they have. Like, um, but I feel like our version of memes is mostly videos, like um, TikTok, Vine, whatever, YouTube. Um, it's more like there's layers to it. Like it's not just like a a, a joke that you can get um, off the top of your head. It's kind of like you have to understand there's layers to it. I would say my opinion on it. Uh, I would definitely agree with what she said. Um, memes can come in a lot of forms, you know, pictures, top text, bottom text, whatever you want to call them. But definitely like, you know, it's just something that um, can either be like really like relatable, I guess, which would make you laugh or just like something in general that's really funny um, that, you know, sparks some type of excitement or laughter inside of you. Um, definitely memes are a big part of today. Um, I'd be very surprised if nobody you know, knew what a meme was, but, um, yeah, I just feel like it's just something that helped out like now, especially with like all the social media and stuff out here. Like there, oh, it's everywhere. definitely a social media. It, oh yeah. There's mm-hmm. no social media. There's no such thing. Right. Like, or at least the way you want to say it. A meme is social media. Yeah. If, you, if you use just Oxford dictionary, it says an element of a culture or system of behavior that may be considered to be passed from one individual to another by non-genetic means, especially imitation. Okay. So that's a very scientific yeah. way to say it, yes. right. As like a certain marker, <laughs> but then, the like in common usage term is a humorous image, video, piece of text, etc. That is copied often with slight variations and spread rapidly by internet users. Okay, that's Boom. perfect. Sure. Yep, yep. All right. It's like yeah. Well. All right. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's right. Yeah, that, that, yeah. All those words are good. <laughs> it's into the T. It's into the T. So a generation yes. of memes. It's obviously, it's a major communication. Right. You know, or or form of communication, and you know, for good or ill, depending on <laughs> who's making it and what it is. So now we've talked about uh, certain distinctions in terms of uh, terminology, phrases, digital native, the meme generation, etc. Now let's talk about the intergenerational play here. So your parents are how old? How old are, are your parents? Obviously, I know your parents, Marissa, have a age gap in between them. Mm-hmm. But uh, we could just discuss that just to give context of what we're going to talk about next. Sure. Uh, my parents are born in 1979, my mother, and my dad is born in 1969, but they are both Gen X uh, by definition, right? They are, yeah. yeah. So that's both Gen X. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's a 10-year gap, so you know, there's little distinctions mm-hmm. and things like that. And Caleb, for you? Um, I could be getting this wrong. I don't think I am. I'm sorry, mom and dad. But um, my mom is 1970, and then my dad should be 1972, so both Gen X. Yeah, so so you have Gen X parents, both of you. So in that Gen X bubble, bubble, right, mm-hmm. right. So now, what are some distinct differences that you've either observed or have been told directly by your parents about what makes your generation distinct from the previous generation, Gen Xers? Okay, um, I will say with my parents having an age gap, my dad doesn't rub off as Gen X as my mom does. He almost comes off as a boomer to me, like. Um, because of his upbringing, um, my dad and my mom are both from Brazil. Um, but my mom was 20 when she had me and my dad was 29. So, um, I feel like when I ever talk to my dad about it, we have this, um, joke where he always says back in my day. And like, it's not even a joke. He says it every time back in my day. Um, there was always like the work ethic, um, the lack of food, um, just the way he grew up and like, Oh, I didn't have all of these luxuries that you guys have. Um, you you guys have to be very grateful for the things you have. 
I'm just, you know, the usual spiel. Now, just sorry to interject. Now, do you think some of that, though, is distinct to an immigrant experience versus a generational experience? Obviously, there's a combination. But do you think some of that is distinct to the fact that your father grew up in Brazil versus... I mean, obviously, your parents both did. But do you think there's a distinction there? So my dad actually came here when he was 18. He was just coming in and out, like, to visit from time to time. Um, his parents in Brazil, my his grandparents, my grandparents lived here at one point. Um, I feel like part of it is a like immigrational thing where like, you know, coming from a third world country. I like um, immigrational. I don't think I'm going to start using that. <laughs> generational and immigration. Immigrational. Like, yeah. Oh, so it's like that. something like that. It's mm. like there's part of it. But he he's been here most his life. Like he's been here since he was 18. So you'd think, you know, oh, he'd acclimate and, you know, kind of be more Americanized. But when I talk to him, it's always this like, um, this is the way things have been and this is how they're going to be. Um, it's very black and white with him. Whereas my mom has a bit of more of like that. She wants to break the generational like chains and that comes with trauma, sadness, whatever, you, whatever it was. There's definitely a differentiation in parenting style. That's a whole other conversation, like psychologically. We'll save that for another episode. Uh, another episode. But it's just kind of like I definitely see like... There's two different experiences and the year, the, the, within the within, Gen X. within the Gen X alone. Now then pivoting to you mm-hmm. and your sisters, how does that play? Yeah. Uh, my sisters are also both Gen Z, um, 2005 and 2007. Um, I feel like we differentiate in our way of thinking. Like my parents have this, I, I it bleeds into me, I would say the most, the this is what it was sacrificed for us before this goes into like, you know, immigrating. Um, so we have to honor that experience and make sure we do better. And we're always doing better for the next generation. Um, I see it more in my sisters where they're like, you know, I got to I gotta worry about me. You know, it's a little bit more focused on themselves. Like they, they'll say like, mom, you need to take me here. Mom, you need to do this. Not, hey, could you take time out of your schedule to take me to this thing? They're very much about themselves. I, too, do feel like I can be like that sometimes, but I still have that lingering mentality from them that, like, there's more than myself here. You know, I have to be considerate of more than me. Um, Considering others' feelings always, not just when it's convenient, like, always making sure, like, oh, I don't want to say this because it might offend someone. Or um, that joke is insensitive. We shouldn't say it. Like, I feel like me and my sisters do that a lot more than my parents would. Um, It's not because, you know. Obviously, growing up, there's generational differences in what's tolerable in jokes, but I just feel like we're more aware of it always. Like, we're always kind of like almost turned on, like making sure we're not saying anything that would offend anyone or hurt anyone. We're very sensitive to people. Like, and what. And you find your parents that, like, they can be sensitive to people, but yeah. you have to actually, like, explain right. why you should be sensitive. Is, right. Is that what you're yeah. Saying? Like, I feel like we have, to, we're always like, overthinking like everything i think we're always just in our head about everything like because of the digital age like we've, we've been exposed to so much and we're always had this kind of like information that we're so like filtering our own thoughts through a bunch of other stuff like the the way society sees it the way this person sees it and it's funny because when you say and we'll get to you in a second Caleb, but mm-hmm. it's funny um because what i've noticed even as a teacher um is when you say like the way society sees it. But it's funny because society itself is a combination of a bunch of societies. Right. So that's what makes it like tricky sometimes tricky, yeah. for a sense of making this joke and or some type of statement. Mm-hmm. And you have 
where you might not even know that that's an offensive term in this culture. Right. But now you have people around you that are in the are, are of that culture mm-hmm. in your circle circle and like, hey like that's that's actually you know a bad word and you're like oh wait i didn't know it was a bad word now you know that's i mean then it kind of goes on you but mm-hmm. um that is something distinct what, what about you caleb what do you think is a what's a distinction between your parents and you that you've either uh, observed or been directly told by your parents about their upbringing your upbringing um there's definitely a lot of differences when it comes to uh me and my parents um i feel like me and my father are more uh, separate in that category than me and my mom. Um, I feel like my mom's more kind of ahead when it comes to like current times. Um, of course my dad is, you know, caught up and with everything, but, uh, he still kind of has more of a older soul than my mom in certain aspects of things. Um, I feel like since my mom, you know, works in such a big kind of, you know, corporation now and she has to like stay in tune with a lot of social stuff and you know a lot of things going on now she's kind of like I said more aware so you know like I feel like with other older people they have less of a filter when it comes to certain things that we have um and she has a filter um my dad obviously has a filter too but, you know, they have their moments when, like, their age will kind of show, I guess you can say, where, like, they'll say something and not realize, like, you know, that can kind of be problematic now for certain things or, you know, certain parts of society. Um, do, do now, what what is your uh, reaction to that? Do you uh, interject or do you just, <laughs> just let it be? It depends on what's said. Um, sometimes I'll interject if it's, like, you know, a little rash and I mean, if you're gonna, crazy are you, are you like blowing a whistle and like pulling out yeah, a yellow like, card here or time or? out let's, let's, let's <laughs> run it back really quick or um but sometimes if it's like you know like a little slip up or like some you know a little comedic i'll let it go for a little bit and see until they if they get it and if they don't get it i'll definitely tell them later but like you know i i kind of like let them try and figure it out as quick as possible now if, if that's the case and this is not just distinct mm-hmm. of parents, but, yeah. you know, there is the stereotype of sensitivity. Yes. That is even said about millennials, mm-hmm. um, about, you know, being being too sensitive, overly sensitive, which, you know, I mean, historically speaking, every generation has their sensitivities right. and uh, all throughout time. Yeah. I don't know if it's accurate to say that, you know, a generation is, you know, quote unquote, more sensitive because I think it, it was interesting what you said, Marissa, about more aware of other people than previous generations. And obviously, that's the internet took that to the moon. Right. But um, I think that's part of it. I really mm-hmm. do. I think that that's like something distinct and a part of it. And then how, how you were saying before, Caleb. I feel like one thing that definitely separates now and then is tone and the way things are said. Mm. You know what I mean? Because like peop- we can say the same thing you know, like have the same sentence structure and everything, but the way it's said is so much different than us. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like nowadays we're more caring with our words and like the way it comes out. Yeah. We try to be more caring with Mm -hmm. it. Whereas I feel like they just kind of like say whatever comes to their head, Mm -hmm. any way that it comes, you know what I mean? And it's, that's not a bad thing. Like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing for it to happen, but like, it's definitely something that you can see, like, if you have a conversation with an older person compared to a younger person who, you know, is like, I guess, more hip to a lot of the things that's happening, like, you will definitely see the difference in the way 
things have been said or being said, especially like in a parent uh, kind of thing. Like my dad, he, he his father was very like rough on him, you know, and like like kind of ruled with an iron fist, if you would say, you know what I mean? Like he was he was very tough. And because of that, I'm not going to say my dad's tough on me, but like he he's definitely feels more caring towards me with some of the things he says, but he still has his moments where like, you know, things will come out a little different than the way he wanted it to where it can be interpreted a different way. If I could just give an example, um, bullying, right? The way it was dealt with when I was growing up versus now has changed dramatically. Now, do you see that because of your, you have younger siblings? Yes. Um, I have, you know, one's in high school right now and the other one is in about to finish middle school. Um, when I was growing up, bullying was like, oh, it's just one of those things that happened to you. Right. And I, I hear you. And it's funny, though, because not not to interrupt, right. but it's, again, on the teacher side right. of it and having gone through trainings right. the, uh, about bullying mm-hmm. and things like that or you know, cyberbullying. And, and you've probably heard the story, too. You know, back in the day, we just, you know, just, just fought it out or something right. like that. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, just, just go ask, you know, take it outside, whatever, mm-hmm. which is true. And, you know, you, whatever value judgment you're going to make about that right. is whatever. However, however, in a time before school shootings was a phrase. Right. Different. No, yeah, I'm, I'm not different. here to bash different. like the education system. I'm just I'm using it as an example to just to, to, to show the segue. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember very vividly getting like physically like bullied right. by in like third grade by these girls and and up to like 14 years old, like I was going through like self-harming and like a lot of issues at school. And I never got like sent to like treatment or like put into like counseling. It wasn't it wasn't a thing like mm-hmm. um, and that's not I don't want to blame anyone here. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's just like the thing the way things were dealt with and the programs have definitely been more like there's more effort and there's more thought behind it now because it's escalated mm-hmm. in a way that we I never would have thought would it be an issue, but I remember like you know school shooting, um, like like the what is it, like the practice whatever, like the drills that we have to do, like to you know ensure our safety. Very like just one time in fifth grade, like it was an hour, and we right. weren't we weren't aware if it was real or not. That was just something we always grew up with, and my sisters now that's ingrained like totally a distinction it, yeah totally because like, i it, when you guys were born i was a high school student mm-hmm. now just setting context mm-hmm. right so i was a high school student from 2000 2004 mm-hmm. right so think about like this columbine shooting was 99 9-11 was 2001 so those two events i mean obviously changed so many right. things you could you know the domino change, effect change is yeah and like i never did active shooter drills mm-hmm. i never did that never did active shooter drill um fire drill a bomb threat but that's kind of a general thing in in a, in a way but never did an active shooter drill Intruder. i never i never heard the term shelter in place until i became a teacher until i started in the profession i never heard that term before and i felt a little silly not knowing <laughs> i thought mm-hmm. i should know it but those are that those are definite distinctions between mm-hmm. even even me someone in their mid thirties and you know, you guys. Right. So, you know, and then Billy, you know, you being in the profession as well, can you attest to these distinctions? Oh yeah. When I, when oh yeah. When I grew up, there were no, we right. fired, exactly. Same here. Uh, Same uh, here. That's exactly. stuff like that. Just 
but active shooter, that, that wasn't a term. No, not at all. For me um, either. And even the way people mm-hmm. dealt with stuff. Um, so this was this was in the 80s. Still, um, me and my brother, we were, we were in a school. He was getting bullied. But he came to my parents and told them, like, this kid's bothering me. And they had a solution. They said it hit him. And so he went and he clocked him. And right. problem solved. But that's, that was the 80s, and that's how people dealt with it there. And, you know, that's not going to work for every situation. But that's that was the mindset back in back in the 80s. Just you, you deal with it yourself. Take care of the situation, then the situation goes away. Where I'm sorry, to interject, that, but now as today, it doesn't matter if you are self defense or not. The rule is you are suspended. Doesn't matter what happens. Um, so, I think it's like I said, it's you can see it through school, like mental health, bullying. It all just it goes back to awareness. You know, mm-hmm. we're always going through our in our heads. There's like nine different things we're going through, like um, what we've been taught, what we know, how we should act, like. And like the drills is one of them. It's like we've grown up always like, oh, my gosh, we um, shouldn't like we can't bring anything metallic or like um, sharp to school because the metal detectors are pick it up. And then they're going to like, you know, call the cops. I've had. What are you you doing with that? Yeah, exactly. Like I had a friend of mine who he bought his Swiss iron knife by accident, forgot it in his Mm -hmm. pocket. And the the cops were called and they they had to like take him away. Um, just because that's that's the mentality. We had to have clear backpacks almost at one point. That was a hot topic of discussion and we're like what like even like even our backpacks aren't safe anymore and well I, I mean to be honest with you to be honest with you I, I i feel you on that because like like i said before i mean columbine 99 mm-hmm. september 11th 2001 i mean they're talking 20 years ago right since then obviously the the world is different obviously mm-hmm. the world is different and you guys being born either you know during or after so you're in the world that has changed already versus myself, you know, Billy here, we're, you know, we're there in terms of, you know, full <laughs> cognitive mm-hmm. realization. Um, you know, that's, that, that is a, a very big distinction. So, you, you know, your school experience versus my school experience versus something versus your parents' school experience is obviously going to be totally different. And in, in my own view, you know, you can't think it's the same. It's it's interesting how generations change and and obviously things like you know safety or um, uh, uh, we talked about mental health briefly uh, just now um, and it's interesting how things change but at the same time as you said you know kids being mean and things like that that's has that has been a thing mocking teasing bullies things like that how you deal with it. Definite distinctions, definite distinctions between the generations, which I, I want to talk about that too, uh, but I want to talk about that more in a, a church context. Mm. So both of you have church families, correct? Correct. Yes. Correct. Now, obviously, as you said, uh, Caleb, before, I mean, your your dad is Pastor Harold Boyd. Yes. So the one and only. Th- that's right. So you're, you're the uh, the PK. I am the designated kid, PK. The designated yes. PK. And then Marissa, now you, your parents also are, are church people have been since mm-hmm. younger years my parents are both very you know much involved in the church and my grandfather is a pastor and my grandmother's a mission like she's a mission. in brazil we call her a missionaria um so yeah i was not my mom is a pastor's kid and then i'm like the pastor's granddaughter and that's still like had an effect on me i don't know if pastor's grandkid is a thing i don't think it is but <laughs> not, i i will but... like there's definitely like enough i i i've seen the effects of it I um see. being that 
my mother was always the support system mm. for my my grandfather. She's an only child. Oh, I didn't know that about your mother. That's mm-hmm. funny. So so let's just go with you first. Then, what are some distinctions Gen Z church experience? Now, you know, your yours is multi layered because you have cultural <laughs> distinctions, yeah. linguistic distinctions. A whole nother country, right. national distinctions. So what? So this might be a loaded question for you, Marissa. But as a Gen Z, what has been the distinction between your church experience and your parents and grandparents' church experience? How do you find it? What's those? Conver- what are those conversations like? So, um, in our growing up, my grandparents' church and the churches that I went to were very. Um, I would say. I want. I don't want to offend anyone when I say this, but we're very cut and dry. Um, worship was very tame. Clapping was kind of muted. Um, it's not the church that I'm in, that we are in now. Um, my grandfather was a preacher, and he was a man of words. He spoke in tongues. Um, so whenever he would preach, it was very like I want to say angry. But it was straight to the point. There was no sugar coating. It was like very heavy. Very like, heavy words. Like, the, the, I'm bringing the gospel. Bringing the hammer. Exactly. <laughs> in, a, in a sense. Not in, in an um, aggressive sense. But yeah. But yeah like, it it could have right. it could have been interpreted maybe, that way. You get me? that holy hammer. Right. Um, I personally was, uh, I loved worship from very early on. So my, you know, my grandmother would have like the books with all the the hymns and everything in it and she'd be like how do you know this already and like how do you memorize you can't memorize all these songs and i was like uh, yeah i can because we sing them all the well, time really people do memorize things to songs so right i mean no, no offense grandma but, but I mean, that is true yeah so she was always <laughs> like how i learned the alphabet how like she was always confused at how like easy music and mm. different forms of you know christianity that maybe weren't so typical to them mm. was so important to me i see um, so for me, my church experience has always been more artistic, I would feel like mm. worship, dance, theater, like that's what spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Um, kids church too. like my my grandfather had a little table in um, at the time was a like the basement we were doing church in. And I remember joking like, oh, one day I'm going to be a Sunday school teacher. And lo and behold, mm. I am. There you are. Um, and I just remember God revealing that to me. And that's always been something like children for me have been the way through like that God has shown me his love and the way to grow. Um, so it's always been more, I feel like artsy in my experience um, than say my grandparents, which was like, you know, the word of God was, you know, the daily living. There's also, I feel like a lot more judgment in their generation, my mm. grandparents specifically, um, that they 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 want to like oh we have to call out these fake Christians and worrying about others like in a negative way I would say sometimes um, that they worry about like you know calling people out and a little bit more aggressive as I said um, whereas I feel like the tone of the church I grew up in I saw God as love and He still you know He will He will call you out when He needs to I don't mm-hmm. I don't deny that but. The God I feel like I grew up with and that my parents passed to me was a God of love, a God of light. Um, and this church, too, have, has, has shown me that God is not this evil, scary dictator who just wants to, like, tell you how to live your life. You know, it was it was like, no, God is love. God mm-hmm. is ultimately God is love and mm-hmm. he is light and he is good and he's here to help us, um, not to, you know, damn us, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I feel like what my church experience have been and. My mother, again, being the only child, supported my grandparents 
through their, you know, endeavors and trying to find a church or be pastors and here in America. Um, but yeah, like, I just feel like I, I church hopped, I would say for a good 11 years, um, from my grandparents church or to others. And then in 2012, that's when I found myself in Christ fellowship. And I feel like until then I didn't have my feet on the ground with Christ. Like I, I, it wasn't real. And then that's when I found like you guys in the bridge. And I, I, I dated to that because that's when church became real to me. Mm. That's when church began to be like, oh, I have a piece in this. I, mm. I can I can take part in this. I remember, um, you know, Caleb's dad is worship leader, has been for many years. I would stand in the front of the church alone. And mm-hmm. my mom would be like, how, how, what, are you sure you want to do that? And mm-hmm. I'm like, yes. I remember. I want to worship. Wow. I want to be involved. And I, I always like, would watch your dad and like be like oh my god like this my god this is this is church my god God, like (laughs) this is church because it was it was the music and like i said the art of Mm. of god and that's what spoke to me and like it's funny we're friends now but the seeds of you know ministry have been planted for many years you know and our friendship blossomed out of that Mm -hmm. but you know yeah that's my experience Pastor's kid. Oh man. PK. Um K. <laughs> PKK. Um, nah. But definitely, you know, uh, my father grew up literally in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, his father was a pastor. And uh kind of we had the same upbringing in a way, I guess, for certain things where like, you know, he would have to go in early every morning and mm. be there for sound check and do all that stuff. Like I was that kid. I was the kid who my father had to go do sound check because he was going to sing that day. Right. And I would come in at 830 and that became the norm mm-hmm. where like every Sunday I was up at 830 in the, in the church sitting there just waiting, waiting for it to start. But I was never really into it at a young age. Whereas my father, he was so into it at a, at a younger age than me. You know what I mean? Like, like he would go and like, now I'm not going to say I didn't listen to when I was younger, but I wasn't fully into it. Like I wasn't paying attention. I mean, in all, all in all fairness, I mean, you were child yeah like it wasn't it wasn't something that appealed to me you it's, know what i mean a child like, i mean you're yeah. waking up 8 30 you're, you're being not waking up you're being somewhere at 8 30 on yeah. a sunday morning i mean you know that's a, that's yeah. a like, distinction but yeah. like but even when my like even for me like it was a struggle to get up like i hated getting up in the morning mm-hmm. i still kind of do i'm not gonna lie but like <laughs> you know like when it came to my father like that was his thing like he loved getting up early he loved going there early and doing his thing and being in that atmosphere and especially growing up like my father grew up in the church same as me but the thing was i feel like i was more sheltered in the church than my father um of course my father was what, what do you mean by sheltered i mean okay i don't know if shelter is the right word word necessarily it's more like when i was growing up in the church all i really knew was the church you know so what I mean? that was your direct community. Yeah, like okay, that was I, I, my... I get you. Yeah. So well, like, I, the reason I, I ask you is because sheltered can and maybe typically we could say does have a negative connotation. Yeah, it's not It's not a Especially bad Especially as a, as a like, pastor's kid. Yeah. It's, like it's I'm, like a, almost a stereotype yeah, in a sense. Like me personally, I know a lot of people would see that as a bad thing, like only being in the church and growing up in the church. Personally, I am thankful for it Mm. you know what i mean because i i was able to learn a lot of things that i wouldn't even be able to know now if i didn't you know and um especially since my father as we know is this big pastor in this church and 
a lot of people know him as, you know, this man who holds himself a certain way and is very devoted to God and the word and, and being in the spirit a lot. You know what I mean? And having this stature about him and being around him, just like growing up, I would love to like shadow him, Mm. you know, and I would be like in his little shadow and try and be him as much as possible Mm. because I saw the way people were looking at him and I saw the way people had a reaction to him whenever he like came off stage or, you know, even when he was on stage, like he had a glow about him. You know what I mean? Um, And for the longest time, I tried to be like him. Mm. Like I would literally like wear the same stuff he would wear. Yeah, when your when your father hears all this, oh, he knows. He's, he's well aware. But but that the fact that we're he's, talking he's gonna, about this is going to go out for too. all the world to hear. Oh yeah, he's going to shed a tear. He, he, he might. Shout might out to you, a, dad. Might have a um, little tear. <laughs> he might. But I, mean, I honestly, I feel a little bit. I'm like, wow. Yeah, it's 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 crazy Felt because that. when we're at home, me and my dad. uh we get along perfectly, right? Because me and my brothers like to say I'm his favorite. Um, because I was the youngest out of the group. And there's a big age gap <laughs> between us. I'm I, the I, oldest sibling. I, so whatever. I know, the, I, I, I know I chuckled, that. I chuckled because, uh, Marissa, you, you had a, uh, a countenance change. Yes. Like, oh, it must be nice. The baby of the family. I'm not that. It must be, oh, it must be nice. Clearly the oldest sibling, if you can't tell. It's okay. Okay. You know what? It's, it's fine. It's fine. We, I just got it better. I get it. I know. Did Did you find the inspiration of your dad? So what I'm hearing, and which is a great thing, that was intrinsic, like coming from within. As yes. You, you know. Yeah. Um, finding your inspiration in your father. And the reason I ask is because I've heard. I'm sure you've heard. I'm sure we've all heard stories of pastors' kids that are, you know. It's almost a stereotype. It's almost a stereotype of it's just this almost locked in, like sheltered, but, you know, I want to rebel and break out. Whereas you are, in your own testimony, are saying the opposite, essentially. Would, now, can you speak to that? Okay. Um, I will say definitely being a pastor's kid, it was very hard to kind of not rebel. There was moments where, like, I could have definitely for sure. And... As a kid, like, growing up, like I said, I didn't like coming early. I hated it. Like, you know, it it sucked because there wasn't really much I could say or do. You know what I mean? It was kind of just like, like I said, that became the norm. So I'd always have to wake up, go here, and do this thing and just kind of, like, figure it out. And, like, my father would be doing stuff, and I'd be so mad at him sometimes. Or, like, even sometimes, like... With him being a pastor, he'd be caught up with certain things, whether it be worship team or whether it be, like, fellowship or couples or whatever. And, you know, um, I remember, um, you know, as a kid, I was always around older groups. I was always around older people. And, of course, I'm thankful for that now. But when I was younger, I hated it because there was nobody my age I could really, like, hang out or talk to and and. You know, I learned a lot from that. I'm very social because of it. I feel like I can kind of connect to a more mature person because of it. And that's an amazing thing. But like growing up, you don't realize what that's going to do for you in that time. You know what I mean? And there's moments where I used to get so mad at him. Like I would want to do, you know, kind of stupid stuff sometimes because it's like, it's like, I don't really know what else to do. Like I can't really do anything else with myself. So I can't like, you know express yeah, course, it a different way you know what i mean so oh, I know what you mean. it's i can definitely see where that stereotype comes from 
Um, luckily, I don't think I fall into that stereotype. But uh, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely something that you know can happen and does happen from time to time. Um, literally, glory to God that you know I was brought up here and I knew better. You know what I mean? Like I was always aware of everything. Like I said, my father was very social. He loved talking to people. He loved being around people and having that kind of, and even my mother too. My mother is very social too. Like she does a lot in the church. Um, She's an elder. And even her, like when I was growing up, she like was the one that was rocking me while I'm listening to worship music. You know what I mean? Like, and she's always kind of talked into my life when it comes to stuff like that, Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, you can do worship, you could do kids church, like you could do all these things. Mm. And like, she put it on the table more for me. Um, And then when Bridge kind of came along, that was when it kind of really set in motion. Um, It was the Sons and Daughters Retreat. I'll never forget that. Shout out, Jesus. Um, But, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it was that moment where uh, I got, you know, in tune and in depth with him. And afterwards I remember talking to my parents about it and like telling them like, all right, I think I'm ready to like really dive deep and Mm. get into the word and get serious about it. Because like I said, I was always brought up around it. So I heard everything, but I wasn't absorbing it because I didn't want to, like I was just kind of like pushing it away and Mm. leaving it out there. But I would catch, I would catch pieces of it. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I knew everything. I wouldn't say everything. I knew a lot of stuff when it came to that stuff. But I wasn't like actually trying to apply it or do anything with it. Whereas after that, when my parents, you know, kind of saw me get serious about it, and mm. they were like, "Okay, he he can actually like do something with this." Right. They pushed me into you know better places, and my father being a pastor helped me move course, into certain places. So, you know. um, I definitely, like, a lot of, I feel like if you ask any other pastor's kid, they're definitely going to have more gripes about it and, like, you know, little things that, like, tick them off or whatever. But I could not be more thankful to be a mm. pastor's kid in this situation because because of that, I am who I am today. And I'm able to, you know, be here and tell my testimony as easily and as, you know, like, understanding as I do. Because, you know, a lot of people in my age, or I feel like Gen Z in general, they don't really have that that connection Mm. as much like that spiritual connection, Mm -hmm. especially with like everything that's going on now with virtual, everything's virtual. And I hate it Mm. (laughs) really because it takes that fellowship and it takes that, that, that feeling of being in the spirit. Like it's so much harder to obtain that. Mm. Now I will say that I can see, I can understand that. Yeah. And I will say like the people there were, there were people who were able to learn that even through virtual. And I feel like those people are like really in tune, like, because I even had trouble with that, mm-hmm. and I was I, I was oh, fully I mean, connected. Everyone is yeah, like it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. So like to be able to learn that yeah. through all of this, it's mm-hmm. like you know that's not an easy thing at all to accomplish. And to be able to accomplish it, imagine if like we were in person, like mm. the amount of youth that we would like have, just kind of buzzing. I see with the word. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I understand you. So I feel like that's just where it comes into play. Well. I mean, I'll say this. Hearing you witness as you just did, I, I'm, I'm like touched by just hearing that because you were a toddler when I met you and just hearing your testament about your father and your mother and your parents and, and your upbringing and, and the fact that you're here now. And I remember that Sons and Daughters mm-hmm. uh, Bridge Youth Conference. I remember that. I remember that 
those years ago. And I remember being there. I remember seeing that moment, witnessing that moment, and and coming to you in that moment too, and mm-hmm. us talking about it afterwards. And that was a few years ago. And even to talk about this with you now, in terms of this interview about being in Gen Z church experience, I'm touched by your testimony and your witness because I know that's not for that's not everyone's story. And same thing with you, Marissa. Like you, when you came, when your family came to church, you were twelve. With, yeah, you were twelve. You were with myself and Kalina and in our uh, bridge location at the time. And I remember you were twelve years old, as tall as I was. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's, it was one of those. Uh, and you're here now, and just knowing that and seeing you guys here and your witnesses, uh, I'm I'm touched by it because I've known you guys for so long, and that's something that I'm just gonna say this. Yo, amen. Amen. Shut up. Amen. amen. Shit up. Amen. It is time for the lightning round. It's time for the lightning round. So we're going to just make this right to the point lightning round. Please do not overthink this. Please do not overthink this. And please keep your answer to one thing, everyone, in the lightning round. So we're going to start with this. We're going to just go Caleb, Marissa, Caleb, Marissa. Here we go. So lightning round. As Gen Z, your favorite movie. Go. Breakfast Club. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. Uh, Phantom of the Opera. Wow, that is so uh, interesting because both neither of those movies are Gen Z, <laughs> no, are they're Gen not. Z movies, no. but it's interesting. Shout out to uh, my mom with favorite game. That could be board game, vi- oh, uh, video game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh, um, it can, I'll allow a franchise answer for this. Okay, uh, favorite game probably Sly Cooper. That bazooka really brings out the color of your eyes. Uh, Super Mario Brothers, I would say. Ooh. Everything's all things Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Galaxy. Hey, there you go. go. Let's say better be Super Mario Brothers three. Just saying. Ooh. <laughs> Listen. Yeah, it, w- it was a thing for me and my sisters always growing up. There you go. Favorite TV show slash series? And, um, this one's a little tricky for me. What do you love right now? Or if it is a throwback, sure. It's probably a throwback, to be honest. Um, actually, I do know this one. There was a show slash series called Angel Wars that me and my father used to watch. From that day to this, a war has raged for the hearts of mortals. One side bent on destruction, the other redemption. Those are my favorites, by far. For me, I'm gonna sound so cliche, but it's Friends. Hey, how you doing? I, I I've rewatched it so Friends many is times. It's cultural moment. It of, is uh, resurgence, which I I I've, uh, I've personally have never been into Friends. That's just me. It's okay, but um, I know I've wa- I've rewatched it many times, so that's my favorite. Favorite athlete. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. I have two answers for this one. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, my first one's Kobe. Um, I'm a mentality always. Um, play basketball a lot, so I kind of have to, like, you know, keep that mentality all the time, or at least when I need to. Um, and then my second one, actually, is Jesse Owens. Um, I've always had a fascination with him when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, reading stories, and I used to do a lot of projects on him and mm. stuff like that. So, yeah. like, I was always, I was always into, like, older icons Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and seeing the hardships that they went through Mm -hmm. like he he defied every odd Mm -hmm. possible you know so just to see him being able to do what he did in you know the environment that he was in was just absolutely astonishing to me and helped me be able to drive harder because if he could do that man Mm -hmm. like yeah we could all do amazing things with the stuff we have you know straight up inspiration yep 
So for me, um, I honestly didn't really have one. Um, I did watch soccer for the most part growing up, but I grown to really love Simone Biles. Just talk about in a league of your own. Mm. Um, so I just I love the perseverance that she, you know, I just like like her essence and all. Like as an athlete, it's really like inspired me to take notice. And so yeah, shout out to the goat. Shout and out. let's get let's get real Gen Z favorite meme. <laughs> Favorite meme. Oh, man. <laughs> I was not ready for that one. Favorite meme. Uh, Kermit's slurping tea. <laughs> Kermit and Lipton. Come on. That, that's a, the, it is oh, great. That's, that's, with a the okay. that's a classic. You can't go wrong. Very versatile. Yes. Yeah. Mine versatile. is actually a vine. So I don't know how well this is going to transfer. But it's... Um, Look at all those chickens. Oh. And it's a bunch of geese. That's It's so simple and <laughs> it's stupid. So, it's a little girl. But that little girl looking at these geese and going, look at all those chickens. I quote it way too many times. I, I do remember seeing that. And I, a student showed me. Yeah. And I didn't think it was funny. But then I started thinking about it. And, I'm, and I started seeing it over and over again. And I, it's, it is funny. It's just funny because it's a, a kid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> vine. Any Vine. Like Any Vine. vine that's my, that was peak humor for me. Go back to Vine. That there was, you go. And that is the lightning round. So we're going to end our time here. And this interview with fill in the blank I have two statements here someone older than me should know blank about my generation and and yes this applies to you guys someone younger than me should know blank about my generation now obviously someone younger than you is going to be someone in their early teens or a child so if you think about it like a a child you know that's around now you know kind of think about like that so I'm just going to ask you to answer those two fill in the blanks just back to back. So Marissa, you first. All right. For um, someone older than me should know about my generation. I'm as open to you as you are to me. So um, I I think just allow yourself to, you know, be wrong sometimes. I, I feel like there's a lot of like condescending tones when it comes to older generation to ours. Um, I want to listen to your stories and your experiences. Um, so just come with a humble like heart and open up to us and we'll open up to you. We, we, we value authenticity. Um, and then for someone younger than me, I would say be teachable, learn to be teachable because there's so much, um, value in that. And there's going to be people who are going to teach you some things good or bad, but take, you know, take what, what's good and, you know, apply it and take what's bad and just, you know, Hey, that's not what I'm going to do. I think there's so much need to be teachable nowadays as um, we kind of go into this like me, me, me society. You got to remember that it's not about you, bro. It's not all about you. Something the old generation I feel like should know about uh, my generation is probably that, you know, we're still young and we're still learning. Um, we have a lot of, you know, potential, and a lot of things to learn and to grow into. So, you know, like I'm not going to say the older generations kind of put a lot of pressure on us. But it's there's definitely an expectation that we kind of have to meet us being younger. Um, and it's not a bad thing, you know, for certain people, uh, you know, they do well under pressure. Some people, they, you know, like a pipe, they can burst. But I feel like just knowing that, you know, we're all human and we all have need time to learn and to grow. You know what I mean? So probably that one. Um, and then for the younger generation. Uh, what should they know about you? Think about someone young like a kid in elementary school now looking up to the teenagers so to speak um 
one thing I'll tell them is that, you know, uh, it's okay to like learn things. Does that make sense? Like it's, it's, it's okay to take criticism a certain way. Like, I feel like as we talked about earlier, people are more sensitive now and especially with the younger, especially with us too. Like we have moments where people will come and correct us or say something and, you know, we're like, no, it can't be true. We, whatever, like, we can't like fathom being wrong, I guess sometimes, you know? So I feel like just being able to take those blows on the shoulder and kind of move forward and learn from them instead of just kind of like pushing them off and be like, nah, nah, I don't want to hear it because yada, 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 this, this, and that. Like, I feel like people just have to be more able to learn, you know, and just kind of be ready for that. So how can... We pray for you. Plenty of people I've talked to, I'm sure you have, you know, want to always pray for the generation coming up, the generation coming up. So how can someone like that pray for your generation? Um, I would say pray for our spirits, you know, for to set a fire. I know that's a cliche song, but to really just set a fire in our generation to to move in God and not to be afraid. I think there's a lot of like lukewarmness when it comes to Christianity and our age group. Um, so just to, to reinstall something in us and to, to create something new in us. I know there's been a lot of talk of how are we going to talk to this new generation growing up right now, because the old ways aren't working as good as they used to. Um, so just instilling a new, a new, um, need, want for God in, in our generation. Um, personally, I think praying for just general wisdom and, um, you know, there's a saying that says common sense isn't so common anymore. Um, and that honestly can't be more true. I feel like a lot of people think a lot more elaborately and overthink a lot of things nowadays. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like if you, if you guys know escape rooms, like, a lot of the hints and a lot of the puzzles that they have are literally right in front of you, you know, and people tend to overthink and be like, oh, it's an, it's a different meaning or you need to find something else. It's like, no, it's right in front of you. Like, just, you know, open your eyes and be more aware. So I feel like for, you know, us just kind of having a more wisdom or just being, you know, more aware, I guess, of certain things. Gen Z, it's been great to talk to you guys. Um, like I said before, we've known you guys for a while. You guys are, you know, have grown up obviously within Christ Fellowship, which is great. And I really pray that this uh, this whole interview enlightens people. Some people might think, as we were just talking about, you know, how do I, how do I communicate with Gen Z? Like, what are they about? Things like that. And I I hope and pray that this is very informative for people, and they see how how you were saying before, uh, Marissa. You know, we. I want to learn from you. You know, you can learn from us too. Just, just, just talk, just ask. So guys, thank you so much for sharing your stories, sharing your life, sharing everything about Gen Z. And uh, we hope the best. And we're going to share some memes after this and probably laugh about it as we take a look. For sure. Right. God bless you guys. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. You can also join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live.
We hope you enjoyed this week's story. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.